Hard to believe the UTEP women's basketball season is over this quickly, but you know what? The way this conference season is gone, I guess we really can't be too surprised. A one-point loss in overtime on a very questionable call with 3.8 seconds left. If you watched the game and you saw the call, you understand. If you listen to Mondo calling the action, you know that as well. We've got an abbreviated show because of UTEP today, so just an hour and 40 minutes. That'll include track talk at the top of our 6 o'clock hour today and also Iris Lopez, who's part of our new team on KISS. She'll join us uh, coming up for a really cool look at a new nonprofit she started a couple of years ago. Mihai, yes, you can. After all, today is International Women's Day, and it's also Women's History Month. So Iris will be with us uh, coming up on the program as well. But I want to start by heading back out to the star in Frisco. Mondo the Monster Medina is joining us uh, here to begin the program. And Mondo, uh, I mean, let's be honest, uh, this season started so promising, 8-2, and two, and the best way to describe the rest of the year is that uh, the Miners could never get really on track, never get a rhythm, and a team that they easily handled twice during the regular season took them to overtime and ultimately outlasted them in the extra session. Yeah, Cap, uh, and it's unfortunate the way, the like you said, that, that call at the very end, which was very questionable here, but... Uh, like I said, this has been, as, as Coach Todd Buchanan described it, a roller coaster of a year for this minor team. Like you said, Cap, they started 8-2, you know, they swept UTSA, and I've always been the belief that it is very hard to beat a team three times. And you know what, just very weird how this year went, you know. You're right, Steve, normally the, I think the, the minors beat UTSA by double uh, figures easily the first two times they met, but... This is the tournament, and it looked like that game was going to be exactly the, the same here when the Miners had that big 10-point uh, lead. But for you got to give UTSA credit because they only allowed the Miners to score three points in that second quarter. And that, for me, that's where the game was decided because yep. then the game went back and forth, back and forth. you know. And whenever you have a team that you've beaten twice and you give them a glimpse of hope, and that game goes into overtime, anything is possible, and that's exactly what we witnessed here today, Steve, and unfortunately for the Miners, their season comes to a quick end here at the tournament. You know, what's so surprising more than anything else, Mondo, is on paper this is the most talented team that really Kevin Baker's had since he arrived. You could say that his newcomers were uh, were, were just better all-around players, better seasoned. They were poised to make a run and really finish at the top of the conference, which, you know, you can go back and you've been with the team since day one because you've called every game this whole season, whether it's with us or on the app. Except for one, Adrian did call the second game of the season. Got to give my man Adrian credit there. Good point, good point. So you and Adrian have called all the games this season, (laughs) Mondo. But I've I've been for 99% of them. (laughs) That's right, that's right. But you tell me, I mean. And you're you're right, Cap. I mean, this team on paper uh, is supposed to be loaded. You know, I think they went through a, a stretch where confidence was an issue. You know, they went through a lot of injuries. You know, their best player, Destiny Thurman, was injured a couple of times uh, in key moments of the season, you know. And then the, the whole COVID thing as well. You know, a couple of times, you know, like traveling with the team every single road trip, you know, I'm telling you, it, 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 I'm not making excuses, but it's been tough, especially like, for example, Louisiana Tech, well, we flew to Dallas because the flight had been canceled, then we have to drive to Ruston, and they played that same day, you know, literally about a 10-hour 
uh, travel experience. So you got to play as soon as we get there, you know. But on paper, this team was very talented. So um, we're, we're going to have to wait and see who comes back. You know, they're going to lose Teal Battle because she's the lone senior. Uh, but still, you know, every single year, you know, now that we got the transfer portal, things change all the time. So I'm very curious to see who will be back. But you're right, Cap. On, in paper, this was one of the best teams EA has ever had. Mondo, what was the turning point of the season? Where did things go sour? I, for me, when I look at it, I think when they when they played against FAU because they had just come come off the uh, the sweep of UTSA, and then that road trip. That, well, I'm talking about like FAU was a team that hadn't won a game in conference, and the Miners were supposed to just beat them, and then they gave FAU a hope of credit. Excuse me, a hope to win the game and towards the end of the game UT, uh, FAU was like oh my god we can actually win this game and they were able to overcome win that game and I think for me that Florida trip is when I saw where the season kind of started to change but at the same time I do believe like the whole situation with COVID the teams being rescheduled you know the travel as well not making excuses like I said but when I see it for me, it was the Florida trip. Yep, and by the way, they won twice since that uh, since yep. that particular trip. Exactly. So you, you bring that up, uh, Mondo the Monster Medina with us. I know you got to get out of there, so we'll keep yep. it quick. But I'm looking really uh, at ultimately the uh, the stat line for UTEP, and other than Destiny Thurman, uh, this was a tough game to really to see as far as scoring wise. I mean, you had nobody else in double figures. You look at really uh, Katia's line, three of twelve shooting, Mondo along with three assists, I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's again, hard to figure this out. And you really hope Destiny Thurman comes back next season because she had a, a terrific campaign, and you could tell her value on the team. But looking at so many other players on this roster that uh, just did not really get to live up to it, it makes you wonder. There's going to be a lot of decisions uh, for this coaching staff here in the offseason. No doubt there, Steve. You know, like like I say, you're looking for points. Thurman have, having the monster game. And then or you're trying to wait to see who else was going to step up. Uh, the only person in double figures was Thurman. But you're right, Steve. Like I said, I'm curious to see who will be back. Uh, like I said, that transfer portal really changes everything. It's just been a crazy year. That's the best way I can describe it as well. It's just been a uncharacteristic year for this Utah Miners basketball program. And, just like that, like, you know that cliche, win or go home, and guess what? They didn't win, so they're going home. I mean, it is what it is, Cap. I'll say this, Mondo. I thought the team packed it in on that road trip to Houston and uh, Denton and the way they played those two games. I really wondered if they even wanted to be on the court today, let alone have a chance to win. I think the answer was obviously a resounding yes, they yes. did. Yes. They built an early 10-point lead, looked like they were going to be in cruise control, but ultimately that three-point quarter in the second quarter that you mentioned, isn't that kind of a uh, best way to put that? Isn't that kind of a microcosm of the way the season went for them this year? You know, Steve, that's a thousand percent correct because, you know, that's happened so many times. The same thing happened when they played one of the last victories at the Haskins Center was against Southern Miss. Southern Miss was at first place in the West at that point, and the Miners were up almost 30 points, and Southern Miss came all the way back and almost won that game. So, yeah, it's like, you know, they get off to a high, the big lead, and then all of a sudden something happens, and the other team comes back, you know. I'm not going to say the team got complacent, but 
at the end of the day, you got to give the other teams credit. You got to give UTSA a lot of credit because, like I said, UTSA is UTSA only won six games in the regular season. It is what it is. That's their record. I believe it was six and twenty-two. So you come into the tournament, the record doesn't matter. Like I said, you give a team hope that they might be able to win a game, and that's what happened. Yep. You know, they came all the way back. I said, let's let's all be real. And first quarter. After they had hit the fifth three-pointer, we all thought Miners are going to roll them. That's what, you know, we're back to normal. You know, it's it's tournament time. The old Miner team is going to show up. But then, like I said, the one that we have expected, the way this season has come, that's the team that actually showed up. You know, you are what your record is. You know, like you said, Cap, they had only won two games since sweeping UTSA. And it's very hard for this team to uh, overcome that, you know. But great Great job by UTSA, Lisa. I give them the word of credit, holding the Miners only to three points in that second quarter. And, you know, they forced this game into, actually, matter of fact, they actually took the lead. And the Miners were the one that was, they will have to force this game into overtime. Yep, that's right. And at, the, and at the end of the day, you know, the season comes to an end. You know, I'm really not going to get into the questionable calls or any of that stuff because... You know, the Miners had opportunities. Exactly. Plenty of opportunities to take control of this game, and they were never ever, truly able to do it. But like I said, that's where you give UTSA credit. And also, it's March Madness. That's why people love bas- college basketball. That's why people love college tournaments. That's why next week we're all going to be getting ready to watch March Madness. And hopefully, we now we focus on the U10 men's basketball program, and hopefully they progress pretty good. You see, like, after they beat North Texas this past weekend, you know, we have hope that maybe they can go far because, like I said, we've already talked about, Steve, all the years we've done this show that I did the show with you, now Adrian is there, like, whoever wins this conference tournament is going into the NCAA tournament. So, And that's the one thing I do want to point out is that there was truly no dominant team in Conference USA for the women. There truly wasn't. Everybody had an op. I believe has an opportunity to win this tournament because there's no dominant team so but now UTEP uh, women's season is over so now we have to see what the men do even more reason to just you know say to yourself man this could have been the year but you know what ultimately uh Kevin Baker hasn't had a season like this since he's been at UTEP not at least not recently so if you think about it he's used to winning tournament games he's used to Finishing in the top half of Conference USA, this is very unusual for him. And, Cap, this is his first, like we talked the other day, this is his first loss in the opening round matchup in in his coaching career. So, uh, like, I'm very, like I said, I'm very curious to see how they're going to regroup and who comes back and what they do because this team does have a lot of talent. But, like I said, talent doesn't win you ball games. you got to actually have to go out there and perform. Mondo, when we're talking about recruiting, what does this team need to kind of take it to the next level? You, you know, Adrian, that, that's actually a, a tough one to um, to kind of answer because, like I said, they do. They're, they're actually going to they're going to have to replace Teal, who is of course starting at the four slot. But you got a couple of players that are like with Brenda Fontana, who's very talented. So I'm thinking right now they're going to have to replace that. Maybe like another forward. Like they're going to have to bring maybe somebody that is maybe like a true leader of the team you know that you know it's confident things i think honestly it was just a confidence issue you know for the team because like i said up and down season you know um i think confidence plays a lot to it um like like it's it's very weird i mean as i'm talking to you Mm -hmm. now as they're clearing the the floor 
for the next uh, next game, which is a men's game, Marshall, uh, and I can't remember who they're playing. But for me to be telling you that we're talking that the season is over, I still can't believe that. Yeah. That the season's like it's probably like hitting me right now that after I I stop with you guys that we're not doing the game. The season is over. So, you know, I think they might need another shooter, somebody that's aggressive. You know, I know they lo- they lost Masha during the season. Um, they have signed a, a, another player that's already been in there. You know, I, I hear she's a shooter as well. Um, I'm, I'm, I think the one thing is they're going to have to find a way to bring a couple of players that are going to bring balance to what Destiny, if she stays, and to what Katya brings to the table as well. And I honestly, I think they need a, a big, they need a center because there's been a couple of these teams. For example, Louisiana Tech, like they got a, a couple of big players there, and like tonight, U, uh, UTSA. Uh, Alyssa Coleman had probably a career night. You know, she 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 had a field uh, a, a big game for her, especially inside inside the post. No, you're right. Well, listen. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a fun season for us listening to you call, especially your first year doing uh, UTEP women's basketball. And uh, all I can tell you is uh, I, I hope uh, we get the opportunity to be, um, you know, getting right back again and, and uh, doing this all over again here in November with a lot of excitement towards the team and uh, looking forward to seeing what uh, we can get from Kevin Baker retooling this roster, Monster. All right, Steve, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. And it's been an honor to, for you guys to have me here broadcast the first year. Unfortunate that it ended this way, but it is what it is. We'll be back next year. Uh, hopefully uh, it'll be a better season for the Miners. Nothing but love for you guys. All right, you as well, Mondo. Take care. Safe travels back home. You got it, brother. We'll see you. All right, that's Mondo the Monster Medina giving us uh, the lowdown from what has been a uh, a wild ending, really has, to the Utah basketball season. I'll tell you what they need. You know what they need more than anything else? They need a big who can absolutely just mix it up and dominate. And, you know, I, I start to go back and, and look at the roster um, from from years ago. They need like a Tamara Seda. That's what they there need. There you go. That's like a, a 6'4 athlete who can just power over people. Seda was that player. My wife used to come with the Braves. Oh, yeah. And the Braves would start landing on the floor because they go everywhere, and she'd be jumping through the gym. And, I mean, that's exactly what they need, a player like that. Yeah, and Kevin Baker, unfortunately, hasn't had a big who that he can rely on, somebody who has some size down low who can really bang with some of the best of them. And I think if you pair a big like that with somebody like Katia Gallegos, it mm-hmm. just gives you balance. It'll also maybe uh, it'll also maybe re- rejuvenate Katya's uh, yeah. career because she this was not you know you look at what she's done the last couple of years to this year you were kind of expecting her to take the next step up and, and it really wasn't the case this year Katya I think the way the team went Katya went and that's case in point today uh, you look at her eight points on three of twelve shooting with uh, three assists and that's you know you know the way Katya's game is wired and the way she is and you know that's she's better than that and she'll be the first to tell you that after this one's over. Yeah, she can she can lead the team in scoring. She can put up 20 points a game easily, and this has been an uncharacteristic finish to her uh, season. And she was an all-conference selection, yep. so it's not like she had a down year, but it was down on her measure. She was a she is a first-team all-conference caliber player. Year it after just year. Was a, yeah, and it just was a step down this season. Bottom of the hour as we get rolling here on Sports Talk. Let's get back to Adrian and this Sports Center update. 
Football is awesome when you really look at what happened there. Uh, by the way, uh, it, today is going to be an interesting show, by the way. Iris Lopez is a part of our team now. She's on KISS FM while we're on Sports Talk. Same thing, Afternoon Drive. She has a brand – I don't want to say it's a brand new because it's not. It's it's two years old, but it is a nonprofit called Miha Yes You Can. It is all about um, uniting, encouraging, and reminding women and young girls that equal world is possible. So she's been a big part of uh, getting this going, and she's going to join us about 10 minutes from now when Iris, uh, who uh, we have never had on the show, is going to be able to stop in and talk a little bit about uh, her nonprofit. And Adrian, since it is International Women's Day and Women's History Month, uh, it's only fitting that uh, Miha, yes, uh, you can, uh, will be the focus of conversation here to end our 5 o'clock hour. Yes, I can't wait to have Iris come on the show with us, Steve. Uh, you know, this uh, I, I knew about this nonprofit a while back because of my fiance. She loves Miha, yes, you can. I feel like it empowers women here in El mm-hmm. Paso. It's great with our binational community because it, it combines the Hispanic culture with everybody, with everything, the American culture that we have here. So I love this uh, nonprofit and everything that it stands for. Try- Back talk at 6, and then following Eric Alwyn's uh, segment uh, at about 6.20, we'll spend the last 40 minutes talking more about the UTEP women. And by the way, a lot of Twitter activity thus far, and I'm looking at between Poncho and Chris Banks, hey, and they're saying it. You know, you got to put the blame on the coaches for this year. You have to. There is just, listen, too much talent not to get better results. And I'll say this. I don't want to say we've sugarcoated this season a little bit, but we have. We've stayed away. We, you know, we are so hard on UTEP men's sports when they don't produce. Okay? Football, basketball, those are the big ones. And whenever something doesn't happen, we're very difficult. But for the most part, at times, we give the women a pass. We do. You know, we don't we don't go at them nearly as hard as we do the men, and maybe that's just not fair. But when you look at the way This basketball team was constructed, and the last couple of successful years, on paper, this should be a team that should be in the semifinals or the finals of the CUSA tournament this year with a legitimate shot of playing for an NCAA tournament trip. To bow out to a six-win team in the first round of the tournament is really um, inexcusable. There is absolutely nothing you can say to justify what happened today. And the truth is, we haven't really talked a lot about the women the last couple of months because there's nothing positive to say. We could have ripped them and we could have gotten everybody to talk about them, but it wouldn't have been positive talk. You want to give the team the benefit of the doubt, see what they can do in the tournament. Baker's been really good over the years here, but when you look at the way this season went completely down the toilet and flushed it away today, you have to be sick to your stomach if you're a UTEP fan because I don't think since Kevin Baker's been here we've seen a bigger waste of talent than the group that was assembled this year. COVID? No COVID. The fact is, Adrian, they dealt with COVID in November and December. It's March. There has to come a point where you put that behind you and you get your team on track ready to play. Biggest blemish in uh, Coach Baker's career thus far here at UTEP. No doubt about it. This finish, the end of the season, the Conference USA slate, this is the red flag that we can bring up right now, and it has to be held accountable. And, you know, another thing, Steve, when you're talking about the offseason, it's so easy to get positive. 
hey, they're getting this transfer in. They're they're doing the, these kinds of things. Yeah. You cannot have positivity until you're back on the court and you prove it. Because as as I know right now, this program lost. This is a losing program mm-hmm. right now as of this as of how they finished off. They have to prove to everybody else that they can win again. And uh, and Kimbo Pops on Twitter said it best. Kevin Baker lost the team in December. Yeah, they had all the t- talent to win Conference USA. Could never get it back. Could never get it back. And and looking at the way this team went, uh, this is this is a colossal. This it, this is a, just a you know a colossal failure given what he had built. No doubt about it. And I agree with that completely. All right, we'll talk more about the UTEP women and the men a little bit later in the show. But let's take a break. When we come back, yep, we're going to talk uh, a little bit uh, and meet Iris, who is part of our staff on uh, 93.1 KISS FM, and you're going to hear about her nonprofit, Miha Yes You Can. That's all part of Sports Talk in 600 ESPN El Paso. And welcome back, everybody, as we continue here on Sports Talk. Well, you know what? We are in the middle of March right now, and March happens to be Women's History Month, and uh, also today is International Women's Day, which is a perfect segue into our next guest. Now, if you listen to our uh, partner station, 93.1 KISS FM, you have already uh, been familiar with uh, Iris Lopez. If you watch television and you see (laughs) our TV partner, KVA, you're definitely familiar with her. And uh, Adrian, how lucky are we that we actually get Iris (laughs) in our Lubingo studios here today? Yeah, we're very fortunate, Steve. This is awesome because I have been a huge fan and follower of Miha Yes We Can for uh, years now, it feels like. And my fiance is a big fan of it as well. She sports the T-shirts all the time. And I love how it empowers women to a whole other level. It's a great segue into Iris, who is with us right now. Iris, thanks so much for being Hello. here. How are you? I'm, I'm good. Thank thank you all for having me. And, you know, y'all are rocking the Miha Yes You Can shirts, so it looks amazing. How has it taken so long for you to be on this show since you've been in the building for like the last three or four weeks? How come we just got you on here today for the first time? I know, I don't know, but now you're not going to be able to get rid of me. I mean, I'm here the same time that you all are here. I'm just going to pop in and be like, do you need some commentary? Because I, I can do that. That's good. That's good. We can uh, we can talk sports with you, but I want to talk about Miha. Yes, you can because this is your baby, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's funny that your baby is turning two. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, what made you decide to start the nonprofit in the first place. So I started the nonprofit right before the pandemic, which everyone was like, "You're what are you thinking? You're crazy. It's ridiculous." But all of us were going to be home, you know, and, and it was going to be a, a tough time for women, especially you know, and women and men, but women had to put on many hats during the pandemic. You had to be a teacher. You had to be a cafeteria person, a janitor, because kids were going to be at home. But uh, so that's kind of what helped me want to start it. But mainly it was working in the businesses that I've worked in, um, TV news, male-dominated business, all, all the jobs I've had, male-dominated business. And it wasn't until recently where, you know, I realized some of my fellow co-workers, females, were having a hard time just, you know, expressing pay gaps, expressing things that just weren't right. And I wanted to give them a platform. And I wanted to, you know, create an organization where we can all, as women, cheer each other on. Because society likes to pit women against one another. But Mm -hmm. I've realized that if we are able to come together, we can do so many things. And that's, you know, what the organization is doing. Now, you've been in this business a long time. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned, getting into especially television broadcasting in a male-dominated field, how has it been in terms of your struggles to get where you are today and ultimately some of the obstacles that you've had to overcome along the way? So when I started in in broadcasting, 
and TV news especially, um, I didn't know a lot of things that I know now. You know, I was naive. I was just thankful to have a job, that, that, you know, and I still, you know, I'm thankful that they gave me a job. But then, you know, as you start working harder, you start realizing, well, I'm doing this, this and that. And my male counterpart is doing half of what I'm doing, but they're getting paid more. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I see, you know, the light bulb clicked. And I one thing I learned was my worth and to not be afraid to go for what I'm worth, you know. I, I need a raise. Here's why. I'm going to show you why. And that's one thing I think we need to remind other women. Don't be afraid to value yourself. Know your worth and go for it. I want to ask you about the community involvement that you do, not just, you know, supporting community, but being in, in events and mm-hmm. doing things like that to create awareness for uh, your mission and your nonprofit. How important is it to get active and be out there in front of people and just kind of show show off what you all do? Oh, it's very important. And we have so many like mijas across El Paso and even out of El Paso, too, that are like, when can you come to us? And I'm like, well, wait, I don't got the funds for that yet. But for us, going in the community and being able to go to where some of the women are, maybe they can't come to us, is just so beautiful. And um, we're actually going to be celebrating our two-year this Sunday, and we're going to have a, our second annual Mija Market, and it's going to feature all women-owned businesses, over 20 women-owned businesses. And we're going to be collecting feminine hygiene products so we can donate those to the school. So we just look for little projects, little you know, things in need that we can help the community with. Iris Lopez with us here from Miha Yes You Can as we continue on Sports Talk. So where will the Miha market be? So it's going to be at Chuco Relic, which is woman-owned as well. Chuco Relic helps us out a lot. It's right off the freeway. Many people might have seen it um, in Central, Chuco Relic Central off the gateway. We'll be there from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. And we'll be giving free hot dogs and birthday cake for ex- in exchange for a donation for feminine hygiene products. So Sunday... 10 to 3, mm-hmm. and at Chuco Relic. Chuco Relic. Now, let me read the mission statement, uh, if I could, from Miha Yes, You Can. The mission statement says, We empower and advocate for women of all ages, races, ethnicities, social economic status, sexual and gender identities to achieve gender equality in all aspects of life. We aim to provide resources and education to women and girls in order to help them achieve their ambitions in life. We achieve this empowerment by focusing on our main pillars, education, wellness, mentorship, development, and philanthropy. And I I really like the mission statement. Now, two years old, yet when we talked earlier about bringing this to life, how long have you been thinking about really Miha Yes You Can, even before you came up with the name and and the nonprofit? You know what? Ever since I, again, came in the TV world, ever since I had this platform, you know, I've wanted to do something with it and mental health is something that got me in it. Um, I would participate with NAMI of El Paso and the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And I knew I wanted to do something in the nonprofit world, you know, just use my, to use my platform. Mm-hmm. So for years, I knew I wanted to do something. And it wasn't until a few months before the pandemic um, when a friend sent me a little, like, gift thing and it said, Miha, yes, you can. She said, this reminds me of, of you because you always, you always send it. I mean, you always say that. And sure enough, you know, it was a T-shirt. That was supposed to be a post to motivate women that Mm -hmm. turned into a website that turned into what it is now, a nonprofit. 
Iris, I want to relate it back to sports for a second. Women are celebrated all across sports mm-hmm. this month as well. That's a big thing. Uh, we have the we of course we co- we covered uh, the conference USA tournament today with UTEP women's basketball, and then also sports and broadcasting. Women in sports and broadcasting as well. Uh, can you talk about the importance of these things we, when we're talking about women in athletics and what what uh, you all could do for them? Oh, I think that's. I mean, I personally don't play sports, but I have people around me that that do. Like my niece, she's actually one of the inspirations for me. Hi, yes, you can. She plays baseball. She plays soccer. And one thing with her that I, you know, I try and instill in her is she she says to herself, I'm different from all the other girls. You know, I like my tennis shoes. I like playing sports, you know, and she would feel kind of nervous going places. And I said, no, you're who you are because that makes you unique. Play sports because women belong in sports. We belong um, in telling the story, sports stories to playing sports and, you know, equal pay. I mean, the women's soccer team, how they, they did that huge, mm-hmm. got the equal pay that they needed to. And it's movements like that that, you know, are empowering and that just make me happy. And I, I believe that, you know, women belong in sports. And not to mention in college you have Title IX, which mm-hmm. is so important because it's to give women the same number of scholarship opportunities yes, uh, exactly. at universities as the men have. Oh, definitely. Because, I mean, it's, you know, of course, society, again, sports, men, but there's a lot of women that I think don't get as much as much coverage and as much recognition as they should yeah. because they're just doing amazing things, too. We have a lot of work to still do, though. That's oh, yeah. another thing. Oh, we definitely do. We definitely do. But I think we're a lot further than where we were years ago. And unfortunately, yeah, we still got a lot of work to do, but I think we'll get there. You know, our, our my, my niece, I'm hoping when she's older, she can look back and say, you know, we're a lot further than where we were when my aunt started this organization. When people go to org for the first time, what will they see when they start to explore the website? They will see all the community involvement that we have. They'll see the opportunities when we have scholarships and exactly what we do with each of the pillars. I mean, we do mentorships where we go speak to local schools. We also do wellness where we do events for, you know, our mental health, take care of ourselves, our body. And we like to also partner up with other nonprofit organizations because there might be people who know about their mission, but they don't know about us and vice versa. So it's just about coming together. So you have the event this Sunday at Chuco Relic. Mm-hmm. Um, as we wrap things up here, Iris, where would you like to see Miha Yes You Can in the next few years as it continues to evolve? I would like to see it, honestly, growing out of El Paso. But, you know, El Paso is where Miha Yes You Can was born. But I want to show everyone out of El Paso that the women here in the El Paso area are so welcoming and we just want to show everyone else our culture. And that's why Mija Yes You Can is in English and Spanish because it's not just for Latina women, it's for all women to come together. So years from now, I hope, you know, to have chapters out of here. And that's, that's, would be, that's a huge dream. So for me, <laughs> we'll give it to that or else I'll just worry myself. I think that's awesome. I'm excited. It's great to have you here uh, at the Town Square family. And it's also nice to know that we finally have somebody during our shift who's here with us. You know, 
we're alone a lot, Adrian and, and myself. We always feel like we're the last people to leave the building. So now it's nice to know that there's somebody else that's going to be here with us <laughs> as you're going to be on KISS while we're on 600. This is true. And I'm going to come and bug. I'm going to jump in now sometimes just come and bug you guys. Good. Perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll randomly put you on the radio. That that works for us too. Iris, thanks so much for being Thank here. Thank you all and for again, having me. Congratulations Thank on everything you. you've done so far with Mihai. Yes, you can. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. We'll come back with plenty more. Sports Talk continues right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. It's time for another edition of Track Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Steve Kaplowitz here along with the man, the myth, the legend, the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino, Eric Alwyn. He has a gorgeous new virtual background. I see the scoreboard. I see the posts. I see the values. It's nice. I feel like I'm at the track with him this week. Eric, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hi, Cappy. Doing well. Got any winners back there? Well, I'll tell you Remember what. Remember the old Twilight Zone episode where they took a picture of the tote board I before do. the race? I do. And then it would give them the winners? We need that. <laughs> we absolutely need that. Although, I'll tell you what, if you're Flaxy Lady, that is a great example of how a claimer, a claimer that's less than ten grand, can win a $100,000 stakes race. Goes to show you that in the sport of horse racing, Eric, Anything is possible, and this is really a terrific story for Amanda Sweeten, who paid $7,500 for this horse and ends up getting a big payout in the Pepper's Pride Handicap this past weekend. Isn't that amazing? This is a horse that showed some talent in her past, you know, was able to win races, but, I mean, never at a $100,000 stakes race. And uh, when you turn $7,500 into sixty grand. That's a nice turnaround. That's rags to riches stuff. I, I feared her a little bit in that race, you know, because of one big aspect. She was three for three going a distance of a mile. And a lot of the horses hadn't been a mile before. And that turned out to be, you know, one of the big salient reasons why I guess she won. Uh, proofs in the pudding didn't didn't really like the distance much at all. Wow. And she was the big favorite. She ran off the board. Well, the one I touted, Our Time to Shine, made a late run, but, you know, was only good enough for second. But uh, but it was Flaxy Lady's day for Lee Gutierrez, her, her new trainer. And the interesting thing about Flaxy Lady is that this is a horse, uh, you know, she's had wins, eight wins over her 25 starts. She actually has career earnings of over 150000 So even though Flaxy Lady was claimed for $7,500, it's not like this horse has never done anything. And one of the great trainers, Joel Marr, had her for years up until the, the claim. You know, I'm sure it makes Joel want to scratch his head, you know, but sometimes it's not, you know, who had them and then who had them afterwards. It's just a new environment, just the new conditions or the new, the new situation. It really doesn't have anything to do with, uh, of course it has to do with how they're, they're taken care of. And Joel's a legend. Joel trained uh, the great Pepper's pride, but sometimes just a change of uh, those factors can, can certainly help. 
you know, it was, it was a relatively short field. So, you know, whether Flaxy Lady wins another stakes race in her career or not remains to be seen. But she's a good horse. And she she really sailed on home. And Miguel Pettis just rode her perfectly. There wasn't much pace in the race. She was very close to it. And she just took over in the second turn. And it was uh, it was over at that point. How rare is it in the sport of horse racing for a veteran horse to be claimed at a fraction of uh, the career earnings and then, like you mentioned earlier, to find another gear and suddenly win mm-hmm. a big one? I mean, is that is this something that happens a lot in horse racing or is this one of those you know situations that you could almost say it's just it's a rare occurrence? It's not a rare occurrence. You know, it's not as rare as you might think. Doesn't happen every day, but uh, I could give you a number of examples of former claimers that went on to be great racehorses. One comes to mind, uh, the winner of the uh, 1999 Kentucky Derby was charismatic. And uh, it was a horse that got claimed a few races before the Derby. Now it was about $62,500, you know, almost 10 times as much as Flaxy Lady was, but he went on to win the Kentucky Derby. And, uh, you know, that was the horse that Chris Antley rode. Uh, Lava Man was probably one of the more famous uh, acquisitions from the claiming box of all times for trainer Doug O'Neill, a man that won our Windstar Derby years ago. And uh, he got claimed and went on to be a multimillionaire. One of the most famous horses of all times, John Henry. I don't think he was. He was a former claimer. I think he got claimed for $1,500 in Louisiana. And then he made, you know, multi-million dollars. So it can happen, but it is, you know, kind of rare. But it does happen. You answered my question. You always have to be watching out for it. You know, you answered my question a moment ago, and that is how low could a horse be claimed for? And fifteen hundred dollars seems almost like a bargain if you're willing to take a chance on a horse. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's nineteen. 78 money, but still is not that much, you know, probably would be like claiming a horse for 12, five, 15,000 today. But um, it's an interesting game, the claiming game, you know, usually you want to claim, try to claim a horse that still has some life left in it and do different things that the previous trainer didn't do. And, you know, enliven the horse up a bit. Usually you like to see, you know, a, a claim made by a 30% trainer buying a horse off a 5% trainer. That's a, that's a typical go sign where a trainer can move a horse up. Uh, it's the most interesting thing about horse racing. You know, all these multi-level class levels that we have, so many of them from the maiden ranks where horses have never won through all the various amounts of different claiming levels by money, from you know, from five thousand all the way up to, I've seen claiming races as high as a hundred thousand, and then you go into allowance races where you can't be claimed, and then of course the the high echelon derbies, stakes races, and the like, where you're only dealing with the elite horses. So that's what makes horse racing so inherently interesting, you know, it, at least as as you know, a, a strata a strategist like myself who's always trying to fi- figure out who's going to win. 
Eric Alwyn is the voice of Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino, and he joins us here on Track Talk as we continue. All right, so the Peppers Pride uh, handicap was the big one from this past weekend. Tell me about what's going to be coming up this weekend and uh, the major stakes races we have to look out for. Can, can we can we mention one other big achievement on the day or the weekend? We did have another big stakes race, and it was yes. the Bowl. And there's a new star in New Mexico. And his name is Mind That Star. Mm. And he's the half-brother uh, to Mind That Bird that uh, Judge Lanier Racing acquired about a year ago for a song. Now, it wasn't claimed necessarily. No, it wasn't claimed, but he was purchased for a hell of a lot less than what he was paid for as a baby. Mind That Star as a baby, I think they spent $800,000 for. And he was running in Kentucky and in the, I think the East Coast for Mark Cassie. And he wasn't able to win. He ran okay. I think he placed. But then a couple years later, uh, Tom and Sandy McKenna put up some money, much less than, than that figure that I just quoted. And now Mind That Star is a double stakes winner. And as recently as September of last year, he was a maiden. So another sort of, well, riches to rags to riches kind of a story there. But Mind That Star, I mean, in many, many ways, Steve, he's way better built than Mind That Bird ever was. Wow. Mind That Bird was kind of a string bean. Had a lot of heart, of course, and had a wonderful run in the Triple Crown. But when I looked at Mind That Star, just a tank. I mean, physical, ultimate physical dimensions. And has speed, too, and can carry it over a long distance and not get tired. It was within a, tra a second of our track record for a mile of 16th. So he won the Winsham Lad a month ago, and he wins the Curabo. Yeah. I think he's a you know, big favorite to win the Sunland Park Handicap on closing weekend. And I know that the McKennas are just thrilled. And Nancy Summers deserves a lot of credit, too, for being real patient with this horse. Because obviously there there were some physical ailments that my net star had that prevented him from being a star earlier in his career. I'm happy you mentioned my net star Saturday. Yeah, um, I and wanted then, to mention them. And Daddy's Money was a big winner in the Sunburst Stakes that same day. He was. There's a there's a quarter horse training sensation that I mean it's just he is showing no signs of stopping. And we're going to have a whole bunch of quarter horse races Friday and Saturday trials for the West Texas Futurity on Friday trials for the New Mexican spring futurity on Sunday. I mean, on Saturday, beware of this name, Eric Valenzuela. He saddled the top two finishers uh, in the sunburst stakes, which is kind of unheard of. He put both of them in the winner's circle when they, they ran one, two, but he's firing at about 38, 39% this season and, and has had many starters. So it's not off a small sample base. So he's a, He's the up-and-coming quarter horse training sensation this week. What do we look forward to for this weekend, Eric? This weekend, uh, you know, maybe just a little bit light as we kind of get closer to the Sunland Derby, which is once we get to Sunday is only two weeks away, mm. and that'll be on the 27th. But uh, coming up uh, this weekend uh, here at Sunland, there's a stakes race on Saturday, and that'll be the, uh, a race devoted to New Mexico bred quarter horses again. It's a quarter horse stakes. Went is the big uh, is the big uh, favorite in that race, and she won the Shoe Fly stakes uh, earlier in the meet. But we're getting close to the Sunland Derby, and hopefully, I'm going to know a little bit more about uh, who's coming for that race because uh, 
when you ask that question about, you know, the nominees for the race, uh, it's free to nominate, but there will be a, a deadline coming up pretty soon on March the 11th, where if you didn't nominate about a month ago on February 21st, you can nominate for free on March the 11th, but the starting fee jumps from what would have been 5000 to $10,000 if you wait, if you did have to wait until this weekend. That's huge, isn't it? Because ultimately, now here's another question. If you nominate and then um, you want to pay the five, let's just say to start, assuming you do this before March the 11th, are you guaranteed in or does that then mean that the Sunland Park Racetrack Committee needs to make sure that that horse gets in? Because what if you have 20 horses that all want to pay the $5,000 to start, but you only have 10 spots? Yeah, then I guess you don't have to pay that 10000 because it's a start fee. Mm-hmm. So if your horse had no earnings, for example, and was low on the totem pole, because we can only allow 12 to run going a mile and eight, then you wouldn't run, but you wouldn't have to pay. There's even a later uh, supplement nomination on the time of entry. So if you didn't nominate this weekend or back in February, but you did have a fabulous horse and you wanted to be in the race, you know, it would cost... $25,000 to enter. Yeah, but small price to pay. But very few do that. But yeah. if you want to get into the Kentucky Derby, and let's just say you're supposed to go into another prep race that doesn't go for whatever reason, and you're kind of scrambling because you want to still get the points and, and put your horse in a big prep race, I could see how that situation could turn around. Could, you know, if you don't have all your bases covered. But, yeah. you know, this Sunland Derby has been around so long that you know, people like Jim Rome are looking at it and other big trainers are always looking at it because those 50 qualifying points are in many ways, maybe more influential than the amount of money that we give the winner. Because if you win our race, you're into the, the Kentucky Derby, which, you know, means a lot, means everything because the Kentucky Derby is probably a term in sports that everyone knows. You don't have to explain it somehow. You know, whereas all the other things about horse racing, yeah, I got to we got to explain to our fans and educate, keep them educated and try to get new fans all the time. Well, I'll say this. Speaking of education, you've done it again, giving us a lot of good background information on the sport of horse racing, especially talking more about the claimers this week. I appreciate that. Yes, appreciate all the, uh, all the analysis as always, and uh, look forward to a, another great week uh, as we get ready and get closer. As you mentioned, two-plus weeks away from the uh, Sunland Derby. That is phenomenal news. Great stuff. Going to be a very exciting time. Looking forward to it. Talk to you next week, Eric. Thanks Bye, again. Bye, Steve. He's Eric Alwyn, folks, from Sunland Park Racetrack and Casino. Take a time out. Come back with plenty more right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. 22 past the hour as we continue here on Sports Talk. So because of the UTEP women's game, and unfortunately the women's season has come to a sudden and unfortunate end, the only UTEP team left right now in basketball are the men, and they'll do battle tomorrow at 7 o'clock. 6.30 countdown to tip-off, and uh, we'll be right there for you, all the action, right here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, just to recap, Miners losing overtime. Adrian uh, has the story up on the website. He'll, he'll give you the recap during Center. And as we mentioned at the start of this broadcast, given the talent and the way this team handled their non-conference schedule so easily, this is a massive disappointment.
and you know, we haven't talked a lot about the women during their slide, I guess, in fairness, to see if they could try to come out of it and, uh, and, and improve. But losing to a team that they destroyed on two occasions, a team that had won six games, uh, although it was a very entertaining overtime basketball game, there is absolutely no excuse for that. And uh, this was a UTEP team that many thought had a legitimate shot to go to the uh, NCAA tournament, not a team that would be under 500 and bow out in the first round. This is, uh, I mean, we've never seen this before. Yeah, and another thing, Steve, that we should also talk about is continuity. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe having the continuity with players coming back year after year could help this program just establish a consistency in their own program. I mean, there's a lot well, of new faces on this team. I got Steve. news for you. They're going to blow it up again this year. Yeah. You know what? How do you how do you keep a team together that died after December? You, you got to just basically start over again and hope you get a better mix. That's the downside. I mean, they lost a lot of players to the portal. And as Kevin Baker said, he thought they upgraded and brought in a lot of good talent. But ultimately, Adrian, it sunk them. It sunk them in conference play. They never could recover. And granted, uh, this team dealt with COVID on two different occasions, a lot of adversity. But despite all that, they were 8-2. and two. And then you look at what happened in Conference USA play, and that is without a doubt the biggest head scratcher I've seen all, all all season. Yeah, no doubt. I also look at it. I mean, I wasn't referring it to it as like, hey, they're going to keep everybody from this year, run it back next year. No way. I I think that I was just signaling that you're not going to have wow. the continuity year after. This is the third year where you're not having a, a c- consistency on the roster. The key is going to be Destiny Thurman if she comes back. That's the key. I mean, and, and obviously you need Katya. So Katya and Destiny are the two major uh, cogs on this team. And then you just got to build a supporting cast around him. I mean, you know what happened to Avery Krause this season? Yeah. She was supposed to take the next step, and it never happened. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's some others who uh, were highly touted over the offseason who we just really didn't see too much of. No. I mean, there was a lot of talk about players like Brenda Fontana, Ariana Cabral, Aaron Wilson. So it just didn't pan out the way that people thought. I couldn't agree with you more. 25 passed. A lot of football today, especially with the Russell Wilson trade to Denver and Roger staying in Green Bay and all the franchise tags. I guarantee you that this man's going to want to talk about that. He's John from the east side of town. What's going on, John? Hey, what's up, guys? You are. Wow, crazy day in the NFL, huh? Yep, absolutely. I, I can't believe Russell Wilson got traded. Well, That one shocked me. It did me too, but I mean... You know what? Denver wanted Rodgers. They didn't get Rodgers. They had to have a backup plan, and the backup plan was getting the Russell Wilson deal done. That's for sure, Steve. I mean, what they what they got for him, though, for Seattle is, oh, Seattle. wow, that was crazy. That's a haul. Two first-rounders, yeah, yeah. two second-rounders, and a fourth. I mean, wow. And don't, and don't forget about uh, also Noah Fant in that trade. They got the defensive yeah. linemen. They got that, Drew Locke. I mean, that, that's the one I was telling coworkers today. Out of all the players they got back, Fanton is the big winner there. Yeah, no offense, uh, going. Yeah, exactly right. That's a huge, huge addition <clears throat> for Seattle. No doubt. Oh, with the, yeah, for, with the two first sure. rounders. Listen, I thought Seattle made out very, very well for Russell Wilson because you got to remember. I mean, Russell Wilson hasn't exactly been taking the league by storm the last couple of years, so we'll see what happens. No, but I don't think it's his fault either. I mean, they have no offensive line. True. And for me, I think the only wide receiver that I could count on is Lockett. I don't think much of D.K. Metcalf. I would rather have Sutton than D.K. Metcalf any day. 
I don't know. I like DK, but DK has got ridiculous skills. Like, I mean, yeah. ridiculous skills. So I'm not ready to just say goodbye to DK Metcalf. He is a physical freak of nature, and trust me, there's a lot of players in the NFL I would I, I would like to have, uh, and DK Metcalf is one of them. So that's, but that's me personally. So it's okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Steve. And, DK um, DK reminds me of Des Bryant. What can I tell you? When I see the way they play, the physical style, the skills, the ability to make the big plays, there's a, there's a lot of Des Bryant and DK Metcalf. Nah, I could see that a little bit. But I would still, I'd still take Lockett, for sure. For me, I give me okay. Lockett all day. Um, speaking of the of the tags, um, I guess Lawrence doesn't want to accept his deal. Um, I just let him walk, Steve. For the ninety million that they paid him a couple of years ago, he hasn't done really anything. I mean, they brought in um, what was his name the defensive end, all that was it it wasn't Alden Smith. I can't remember his name right now. Um, he ended up getting more sacks than D logic. I mean it, but the thing that I don't get though, Steve, is I know A Rod signed his four fifty million dollar contract today, which is asinine. Yeah. Okay. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl out of this, it's like whatever. But you watch. The Packers are gonna try to find a way to fit um, Adams under that, yet the Cowboys don't want to give Amari twenty million dollars. I'm with you. I'm with you on it, that. It one. just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, really doesn't. Well, listen, and, and let's be honest, okay? The Packers did what they had to do. They had to do this. I mean, you know the drop off if you lose Rodgers, okay? Oh yes. And and I don't care if it's Drew Locke who uh, obviously went to Seattle as the consolation prize for Russell Wilson or Jordan Love or whoever other. I mean, they 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 had to make this. They they had to get this done. So, um and and the fact is, you're right about Rodgers in the playoffs. He's choked the last 3 years in big spots, but you know, regular season, he's among the best in the game. So, you keep his number one target. You still have the Jones-Dillon combination. You bring back the gang next year and rework some contracts, and Green Bay is still going to be the team to beat in the NFC. Yeah, unfortunately, in a weaker NFC yep. now that Wilson's out. That's right. Um, That's right. Last thing real quick, Steve, switching gears quickly. Pop got the most wins in NBA history last night. Yeah, and look at who he As beat. Usual, and, yeah, look at how it went, by the way. About, to me, he's the GOAT over Phil Jackson, and I'm going to tell you why. I get Phil's got more rings. I get that. But all Phil did, not only win with Kobe, Shaq, and Jordan, he just won with the triangle. Pop has evolved the last 20 years, his offense, with Timmy and the Admiral, yep. then post-Admiral, and post Timmy. I'll give you so that. I'm a big Pop right fan. I there, like Pop. I, yeah. Right then and there, that gives me the nod Pop over Phil. You're not going to, you know, listen, I'm, I'm not going to argue Pop's value. Pop is going to go down as one of the all time great coaches in the history of the game with Red Auerbach and some of the other greats. There's no doubt about that. No doubt about that. So I'm with you there, John. You and I agree. Appreciate the call. Bottom of the hour. Ruben, you're next right after Adrian in this Sports Center update. Got their quarterback. As far as this trade is concerned, which one's bigger? The one that the Dallas Cowboys made for Herschel Walker or this one? 
Well, the hard part is only time will tell because it's going to depend on what Seattle does with the draft picks. We know what the Cowboys did with their draft picks and why that trade turned out to be so lopsided. Because just because you get these number ones, you got to make the most of it. But I feel like Denver paid a small fortune to Seattle to get Russell Wilson in this deal. It's almost like a King's Ransom, but Seattle has to make good on the draft picks in order to really, you know, get the better end of this in time. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, I just thought maybe you could look into your crystal ball and kind of come up with something. I can't predict I, I can't did. predict the stupidity of teams when it comes to drafting. That I can't do. So you know. <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot I can do, and, and and I'll be honest with you, Ruben. If this was New England, I would, and, and not Seattle, I would already say that it was uh, along the same lines as Walker, because I know how the Patriots draft and what they draft. But when it comes to Seattle, different right. ball game, and I'm not, I'm not ready to go there just yet. All right, that, that's a, that's a fair answer. Now, here's my second question. Sure. Um, Aaron Aaron Rodgers stays with the Packers for four years. Two hundred million bucks. Question is, do you think he's going to last another four years? Um, the question is going to be how much of the money is guaranteed, and that I got to find out. Um, listen, I think this is. The, I think this I is. The, was a, go ahead. I, I thought the guarantee was one hundred and fifty-three or one hundred and sixty-three million. That's right. Ian Rappaport yeah. uh, yeah. he tweeted that out. That's then, right. Then if he's making one hundred and fifty-three million guaranteed, yeah, I think he finished. I think he's going to finish his career in Green Bay. I, I really do. So it would. I, I do not oh, expect him to go anywhere else. I think he. I think he finishes his career in Green Bay. I agree with you. But do you think he's going to? He's going to last four years. I guess it depends on how bad he wants that money, right? Well, I mean, don't you think his body's going to determine how much of that money he's going to be able to keep? Yeah, I do, but I think that right now Rodgers is in I mean, a pretty good, he's not a, you know. He's um he's in he's in good condition, but I yeah. just, I just I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Now, here's my bigger question, I mean, I'm, okay? I'm for, here's my better question. Knowing that Rodgers is going to run right. this back, Devontae Adams has been franchise tagged. I want to know if next year Aaron Jones will rework his contract when that $20 million balloon hits and he can extend his time in Green Bay by another three or four years to stay with this group and stay with the run because that's going to be the other interesting thing. There's no way they're paying Aaron Jones $20 million next year and taking that kind of a hit on their cap. So will Aaron rework his deal the way Rodgers just did his and ultimately prolong his shelf life in Green Bay? That's going to be another interesting storyline. Yeah, you're right. I mean, and, and uh, honestly, um, you know me, I'm not a Packer fan, but when it comes to the Packers, as far as Aaron Jones is concerned, then I'm a fan just yep. because of Aaron. Me too. But, uh, yeah, you know, I, I would love to see him stay with the Packers. Um, I think he's a good fit there. Um, I know that they have that, that other running back, and, you know, they have that two, two running back tandem going on. But I, I, I would love to see Aaron just stay with the Green Bay Packers as, you know, as long as possible. I think it's good for the, for the franchise, and I think it's good for Aaron as well. 100%. I think both Aarons. I mean, Rodgers and Jones, they go together. Yeah. And, and the question is yeah, going to yeah. be, though, but if you're Green Bay and you know you got A.J. Dillon, um, you know, he'll be coming up on a big salary raise in about the next two or three years. So that's going to be the question is, um, you know, where do they start to save? And I, and I hope uh, Jones reworks his deal. Like he already did. He already reworked his deal this year to give them flexibility. Right. 
Hopefully he'll figure out a way to do it again next year so that way he can spend more time in Green Bay with him as well. So we'll see. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is, is that these clubs, they rework all these deal, all these contracts and stuff, yeah. and then when it comes time to really put the money down, mm-hmm. they forget who was there to help them, you know, be able to keep and, yep. you know, get more cap space and stuff like that. Well, It's amazing how short their memories get. So uh, I hope that doesn't happen to Aaron, but, uh, me too. you know, all we can wish him is the best. I mean, he deserves it. Well said, Rube. Good call today. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you getting in. Let's go to a Esteban. He's joining us next here at uh, 37 past the hour. Esteban, what's going on? Welcome aboard. How you doing, Steve? Good. What's happening with you, my man? Uh, just here uh, listening to uh, Sports Talk. Appreciate that. Thank you. Listen, uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, okay, about three or four weeks ago, you spent an entire show, I think it was like a show and a half, talking about how expensive the tickets are at the Don Haskins for the men's basketball games. Yeah, we spent a lot of time on it. We wrote about it. We talked about it. Yes, definitely right. That's 100% correct, accurate. Yes. Well, last last week, I believe it was last week, you had, a, you had AD Center on. Correct. I don't, unless I missed it, I don't think you challenged him on it. About the tickets? Yeah. Well, I mean, they lowered them. They they lowered them to ten bucks, you know, for the yeah, last game and a few games ago. Talking about in general, talking yeah. About in general. I, you know what? I think they understand they messed up on it. I do. I mean, I guess I could have put them up, and 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 he actually did touch on the tickets and said that they're working on next year doing something that's going to be a much more fan friendly price. Trust me. I mean, I could have asked Center and said, "Hey, did you blow it on the tickets?" He probably would have said, "Well, we tried to keep the pricing to to you know to to make our." season ticket holders happy and and not really compromise that but i think they get it they understand that ultimately by the time they they put the tickets on discount they got some fans but you know they didn't get as many as they could have in the long run which 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 is a shame there's no doubt about it the yeah, truth is true. the truth is this i didn't even know the tickets were that expensive until just a few <laughs> weeks earlier when one of the listeners pointed it out i had no idea that they were priced yeah. like that until the, they they brought it to our attention so that was the funny thing if i would have known that I would have mentioned it weeks ago, but we didn't know. Yeah. Okay, so earlier I heard you talking uh, to Iris. I know it's, a, what is it, National Women's Today Day? is International Women's Day, okay. and it's Women's History Month. Okay, International Women's Day. So yes. on that note, how do you feel about center firing Holly Watts? Uh, Holly Watts, meaning the former volleyball coach? Yes. Well, I mean, let's put it this way. Uh, you want, do you want to complain in terms of what we're seeing with Ben Wallace right now? Holly Watts well, couldn't win. She couldn't win. She was getting she she was you know the team was terrible as she was coaching them. So wasn't she, wasn't she graduating like hundred percent of her, her players? Yeah, but they didn't win. I mean, if you if you're if you're one of the worst teams in the in the program's history, then even with a high graduation rate, now let's put it this way: What if Ben Wallace graduates his players and he's winning championships? Then what? I mean, okay. think about think about this, Esteban, and, and I'll ask you this. What's more important to you, okay? Um, would you rather have a coach that, that can't win but graduates or a coach that doesn't get everybody to graduate but still gets the majority of the kids to graduate and, and wins titles? Well, as an alumni, I have a degree in mechanical engineering from YouTube. My, uh, I think that for a student-athlete, their primary – Goal should be to graduate. 100% agree. 
100% agree. And I think this group, from what I understand, you know, Ben Wallace has done pretty well with getting his getting his uh, his players that the you know the degrees and the education. And now understand this: the portal makes it tough because some of the athletes will graduate and then will transfer to go someplace else, and that's happening in all sports right now, and it's making it really difficult. But look at basketball. Sule Boom just graduated. Uh, we've got other players that are on track to graduate. So believe it or not, UTEP's doing a really good job in that department right now, Esteban, as far as athletics go. There aren't too many athletes that are mechanical engineers like yourself, but they're still doing a pretty good job in the classroom. Real quick, I just want to chime in on the firing. UTEP athlete, uh, Director of Athletics Jim Center, he has fired a lot of male coaches uh, in his time. Yeah. He recently fired yeah. Austin Litherland, uh, who is yeah. the rifle head. Head coach, he fired Kevin Cross to hire right. Catherine Bolligan as the women's soccer coach. So, uh, yeah, there's been right. a lot of changes in leadership under Jim Center. Yeah, and and I'll be honest with you, if I could fire Holly Watts to bring in Ben Wallace, I'd do it every day of the week. Every <laughs> day of the week, I wouldn't even hesitate. Would not okay. hesitate, my friend. And well, anyway, um, I was just talking to Iris. You, you mentioned a lot of her accolades. She's got that um, nonprofit that she's going with. Yes. Mia, yes, you can. That's right. But you forgot to mention one thing. What's that? She's hot as hell. Well, Esteban, one of these days, you're going to have to come by the station and introduce yourself. How's that? Okay. <laughs> All righty, sir. Good night. Thanks for the call. There you go. Well, better you say it to me. But there you have it. Thank you, Esteban. 42 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll come back, wrap it up next. 600 ESPN El Paso.